This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Siobhan Moran McFarlane. It's Thursday the 9th of February. In your Squiz today, Aussies missing in Turkey, the MH17 investigation draws to an end, time to check the mail, and bailing on a bad date. This is your Squiz today. Siobhan, the death toll from the horrific earthquake in Turkey and Syria continues to grow and time's running out for rescuers because the search is now entering its third night. Aussie Foreign Minister Penny Wong also revealed yesterday that four Australians who were in the earthquake zone are unaccounted for. Yeah, so the latest reports say that over 11,000 people have died and at least 40,000 injured. And that makes this the deadliest seismic event in more than a decade. And those figures are expected to continue to rise. Now, along with the four Aussies missing that you mentioned, the Department of Foreign Affairs is also assisting another 40 Australians and their families in the area. One of those who is missing is a Sydney man called Khan Pahali, who was visiting his sister in Turkey's hardest hit province, Hatay, where at least 872 people have died. There's some really incredible images still coming out of both Turkey and Syria, and it really just shows how chaotic the situation still is. Yeah, and although there are some really miraculous stories of survival coming out, there are many, many more accounts of people who are frustrated by what they say is a lack of help. Turkish President Tayyip Erdogan has declared a state of emergency across 10 provinces, but many residents say the official response has been too slow. Yeah, so one example of that is from the earthquake's epicentre in the city of Gaziantep. Locals say it took 12 hours for emergency crews to arrive. But Turkish officials say the destruction is spread across more than a 1,000 kilometres and winter conditions, damaged infrastructure and a lack of resources are are all hindering their efforts. In Syria, meanwhile, rescuers are still reporting hearing cries for help from beneath the rubble, but say they have no equipment to reach those who are trapped. Doctors Without Borders has warned that those who've been left homeless and without shelter are also at risk, and people will suffer for months as it's a catastrophe on top of a catastrophe for the war-torn nation. So there's just no let-up. And in terms of assistance... Australia's pledged $10 million in aid, and PM Anthony Albanese says 72 of our top search and rescue workers are headed for Turkey. The Aussie help adds to 70 other countries who have also sent funds, specialist crews and equipment. But for the rest of us, disaster response experts say the best way we can help is to donate money to reputable charities and organisations working on the ground. And a former UN aid boss has warned that when it comes to Syria, people should definitely look out for reputable organisations to donate to, such as the Red Cross. The international prosecutors who are responsible for investigating the downing of flight MH17 over Ukraine say they've found strong indications that Russian President Vladimir Putin was involved. 
they believe he approved the supply of the Russian missile that was used. Yeah, so just to wind it back a little bit and remind you of what happened, nearly 300 people were killed in the incident back in 2014 when that plane went down over southern Ukraine, and that included 38 Australians. Now, representatives from the joint investigation team have presented evidence at The Hague in Holland that implicates Putin, including tapped phone calls. But they have stopped short of saying that he actually ordered that the plane be shot down. Despite the revelation, prosecutors say the investigation has reached its limit after more than eight years and the team has exhausted all avenues due to a lack of cooperation from Moscow, which has always denied any involvement. Yeah, and as a current head of state, Putin himself has immunity and is protected by Dutch law. Paul Gard, whose parents Roger and Jill died in the crash, said that while he's grateful for the investigators' efforts, he's disappointed that the reason the plane was shot down may never be known. If you need something to add to the reading list this year, the Australian Electoral Commission has you covered. It will be responsible for distributing two 2,000-word essays regarding the Indigenous Voice to Parliament proposal. Yeah, so one of them will be written by MPs in support of the constitutional change and the other by its opponents. Now, although that's standard practice for how referendums are run in Oz, the Albanese government was hoping to skip it this time. But coalition leader Peter Dutton maintained that voters need written information from both sides of the debate to make up their minds. And while Nationals MPs have already decided to vote no, the Liberals haven't stated their position just yet. Yeah, that's right. And that might explain why commentators are saying that going ahead with the mail-out is a goodwill gesture from Team Albanese to the Libs. And the next question to address will be whether the yes and no cases received taxpayer funds for their campaigns. Dutton says they should, but so far the government isn't keen on funding either. Channel 9 has scored a huge coup, Siobhan. The 2032 Olympics in Brizzy will exclusively air on 9 after the media giant inked a $315 million deal with the International Olympic Committee. Yeah, it's a really huge deal and it ends the game's long-standing partnership with rival broadcaster Seven, which has televised every Olympics since the 1970s except for the 2012 London Games. And it's not just the 2032 Olympics. This new decade-long deal gives Nine the rights to the 2024 Paris Olympics, the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, and my personal favourite, the Winter Games. Yeah, I love the Winter Games too. And Siobhan, sports broadcasting rights have been in the news a lot in the last few months. In September, Seven and Foxtel secured the AFL until 2031 in a massive deal worth $4.5 billion. And in January, Cricket Australia signed a seven-year deal worth $1.5 billion, also with Seven and Foxtel. Nine, meanwhile, has ongoing deals for the NRL and Aussie Open Tennis. 
Those who have been on a bad date might not be surprised to learn that the average time to hang in there before finding an excuse to leave is apparently just 51 minutes, Siobhan. Yeah, so that's the finding of a new survey of 2,000 Brits by a vehicle breakdown provider called Britannica Rescue, who are probably used to helping people out of sticky situations. (laughs) (laughs) But the survey revealed 25 minutes is how long the average person reckons it takes to feel a spark or lack thereof. And 20% of the respondents admitted to making up an excuse to leave a dud date after that 51-minute mark. Yeah, and the survey also reckons that the top reasons people hightail it out of there include their date being rude, constantly checking their phone, and simply experiencing an awkward vibe. But 58% of respondents said they felt obligated to be polite and stick the date out. I wonder how many will be going through this on Valentine's Day next week, Siobhan. I think that's just too much pressure. A first date on Valentine's Day, forget it. Just don't don't set yourself up for that. <laughs> A pest controller in California has made a bit of a surprise discovery during a house call, Siobhan. Ha, yeah, just a little bit of a surprise discovery, I would say. (laughs) So this pest controller, a guy called Nick Castro, found over 320 kilos of acorns that came spewing out from behind a wall inside a home in Santa Rosa. Now, apparently a woodpecker has been stockpiling them for years in the home's chimney and they'd spilled into a wall cavity. Yeah, and Castro said the discovery was unreal. He said the woodpecker responsible must have been a bit of a hoarder. And that's us done for today. Just a reminder that Squiz Shortcuts is out today. We've followed up on the latest with Alice Springs, so I'll pop a link to it in today's episode notes. And Siobhan, it is your last podcast with us for a little while. Yeah, Alice, I'm really sad, actually, Um, but I'm off to have a baby, so I will be otherwise occupied with a very different job for the next few months. But (laughs) I'm not dying or disappearing, so I will be back. Don't worry. Yeah, we're really (laughs) going to miss you, but we cannot wait to meet your baby. We've already demanded photos when he or she is born. (laughs) Claire and I have really loved podcasting with you, so we also look forward to you getting back when you're ready. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening today, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.